This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How'd you sleep last night? Not great? You were dreaming about work emails again, weren't you? Yeah, I get those too. Hi, welcome to Radio Motherboard. I'm Adrian Jeffries. This week... We're talking about sleep, specifically how to use the latest technology and scientific wisdom to optimize your bedroom until it's a proper sleep cave. If you live in a noisy, bright, electromagnetically active place like I do in New York City, you may have to work extra hard to get a good night's sleep. Over on Internet Motherboard, we ran about 40 stories this week about various aspects of sleep. For my part, I decided to try to sleep hack my room. It's something I've been wanting to do forever. As a minimalist, I generally loathe apps and gadgets, but I picked a bunch of sleep stuff to try, and I think some of them might actually be keepers. I still need to find a weighted blanket and better blackout curtains, though. For my own sleep hacking experiment, I basically worked with four new gadgets. Smart light bulbs, sleep headphones, and two of the more advanced sleep trackers. My fan and my space heater, which has a timer on it, actually became part of the sleep hacking experiment as well. I need it to be cold at night, but I never want to get out of bed into a freezing cold room. Solution? Set the timer on the space heater to 5 a.m. to give the room time to warm up, and leave the fan on all night for white noise and to circulate the warm air from the space heater. I know this sounds really low-tech, because there are no apps or robots involved, but just imagine what Leonardo da Vinci would think about this little setup. This is all minor leagues, however, compared to what my brother William did to his Manhattan apartment a few years ago. Like a lot of sleep hacking, it started with data. His data was collected from a headset called the Zio, a startup that unfortunately closed its doors in 2013 despite making what experts called the most accurate sleep tracker ever. After William started studying his sleep data, he started tinkering with things that could affect his sleep, like light, sound, alcohol, exercise, and so on. He also immediately reveals that I had a phase when I slept in my closet. I was a weird kid. Okay. Okay. I'm recording. We're both recording. Okay. So... Now we can both clap so that we can sync the tracks. Okay. Actually, I'll just, we'll do one clap. Okay. Great. Great. So, hello. Does it matter if this is touching my chest? Should I hold Um, it a little bit off? Probably don't have it touch your chest, yeah. Okay. Just like, yeah, that's good. So, 
This is Adrian Jeffries. I'm here with William Jeffries, my brother, blood brother. And we're in my closet, kind of half inside, half outside the closet. Thank you for joining us, William. Thank you for having me. This brings me back to uh, old times. Uh, for the listeners, you may not know this, but your host used to have forts and, and offices, make-believe offices in her closet. And I, I like small over. spaces. I like confined small spaces. I remember coming over and playing with stuffed animals um, when I was like seven. In the closet. Yeah. yeah. Adrian's closet was really unfairly large, whereas mine was tiny, had an, a slanted floor, and was full of demons. Large, but but still small for a bed. That's I set true. up a bed in the closet, and then later it was an office for the zine that I ran in high school. But anyway, today, my that closet was actually larger than the closet that we're half in right now in my apartment in Brooklyn. Um, but anyway, William and I have both experimented with sleep for a long time. I had forgotten about the sleeping in the closet thing. I guess that was like an early sleep hack, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was dark in there. Dark. Yeah. So I wanted to bring William on the podcast because... William was the first person I knew who really sleep hacked his room. And William is a very quantitative thinker, a very thorough sort of life hacker. And he took a very thorough approach to optimizing his sleep environment. And uh, everything that I do um, kind of is in imitation of that. So, uh, William, do you remember when you first sleep hacked your room and what you did to it? Absolutely, yeah. I remember I got really excited about a brainwave monitor that I slept with, even though it made me look incredibly dorky. It was a headband that I wore every night, and it had a, a pretty sizable square black brick of uh, a device attached to the front of the headband. It was um, Surprisingly not uncomfortable. It was called the Zio. The company that manufactures them has long since gone out of business. So the device became totally useless. It was just a, literally a brick. Became literally a brick. Um, but what was really nice about it was that it was just incredibly accurate. It was it was um, close to approaching the level of accuracy that you get in sleep laboratories. And it was a hundred bucks plus the cost and of the app. How did you know that? How did you confirm that it was accurate? Um, I read. Um, I, I read about it. I read the research to find out what the thresholds were. Actually, the brainwave monitoring is not that reliable. Like even the medical grade equipment is like only eighty five percent accurate, which compared to other industries would be horrifying. I mean, if you can imagine. Um, your your car only breaking eighty five percent of the time that would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. But you know these are these are just the limitations of the industry. If you combine the two, where you could use your mind to break your car, <laughs> but it only worked eighty five percent of the time. <laughs> if you had access to the physical brake as a backup, that would be totally awesome. That would be cool. Um, so anyway, I started doing that. I think actually originally I got an iPhone app and was. Uh, not thrilled with the accuracy, and so I, I shelled out for the Zio. I wish that another company would fill that hole, making really high quality sleep monitoring um, headbands. But 
I started looking at the data, and I had, you know, I mean, I, I used it literally every night, so I had a wealth of data. And I started digging around looking for patterns, and I found that um, the temperature was by far the biggest influencer in my quality of sleep. Um, and, and you wanted lower temperatures? I wanted more precisely controlled temperatures, and I wanted to avoid temperature swings. So like, temperature swings were waking you up, not necessarily that you needed it to be a certain, like, it yeah. needed to be 68 degrees. It wasn't so much that they were waking me up, it was that it was preventing me from spending as much time in REM. Okay. And the, is that what you want to do? You want to maximize REM? REM so, the REMs and the deltas. So you have, um, there are four, there are like basically four states when you're sleeping. Um, one is REM, rapid eye movement. That's when your people don't really know what rapid eye movement, like what the REM state of sleep is for, but we do know that when you dream, you are in REM. And you can tell that someone is in REM because if you watch their eyes, you can see that they're moving under their eyelids. It's kind of creepy. Right. And we believe that REM is important for some kind of subconscious processing that affects learning. And we do know that um, learning is impaired if you aren't getting enough REM at night, um, as is job performance and other things that are, you know, involve similar sort of unconscious processing. As, right. Um, and after that, you have um, alpha and beta, and those are, those are light and deep sleep. And those are both also important. You need both of them. Um, and then the third, the fourth state is is being awake. And people actually spend a fair amount of time waking up and not remembering it the next day. Uh, and that's something that you know you want to minimize. So one of the things that I looked at when I was sleep hacking was how can I reduce the amount of time that I spend actually awake. And then um, within the other three categories. Am I getting a good balance? Am I getting enough of each one? And what is affecting the balance? So I found that I was I was often not getting enough REM, and the reason was alcohol consumption. Alcohol consumption was preventing me from entering REM, and so I you know I started monitoring that and checking to see what amount of alcohol I could consume before it would affect my quality of sleep. Uh, and disappointingly, it was very little. <laughs> How uh, much was it? Um, it was like I would start to see problems after two beers. Hmm. So we should stop after this glass of wine and glass of scotch in that case. <laughs> Perhaps. Although my quality of sleep is is fairly high, so um, I can go one night without a hundred percent of the normal amount of REM that I get. So you think you've you've got this down? Like you looked at the data for long enough, and now you know how to get good sleep. Um, I think by paying a lot of attention to it, I've gotten a lot more in touch with it. I've started, I, I care more about it. Um, I wouldn't say that I've totally mastered how to get good sleep. There are still nights when I have a hard time getting to sleep at all, you know, my mind is racing. Um, but I, I've definitely developed a lot of strategies. Um, another thing that's really important is controlling light. And light masks, or sleep masks are really bad at this, I've found. 
I have yet to find a sleep mask that fits my face properly. There's always there's always light that comes in through the bottoms of the masks. Um, and so if you really want to hack your your room, the place where you're sleeping, your bedroom, then your best option is blackout curtains. And I actually went so far as to put um, a an, a door sleeve underneath the the door so that light couldn't come in through the crack underneath mm-hmm. the door. And even with that, some amount of light would still get in around the edges. And so I put up a curtain on the other side of the door, which you know felt very hippie, but yeah. was effective. And so you know when I would go to sleep in my room, oh, and, and I also put duct tape over all of the LEDs on all the electronics in the room. Right. And um, so when I would go to sleep in, in my room, you know, you could have your hand a foot in front of your face and see absolutely nothing. It was like your eyes were closed. Um, and some people awesome. are, yeah, I thought so. Some people don't like that. You know, I, I had this situation. I, I had someone stay over, and um, they found it frightening <laughs> to be totally unable uh-huh. to to see. Um, and they couldn't fall asleep because they were so frightened, or they were frightened, and then they were like, "Ooh." Um, I'm tired. Uh, they preferred to sleep with the door open so that some light would get oh in. Oh my god, ruining everything. Ruining All it. that work. <laughs> right now, I got this blackout shade, which is it's a poor substitute for. I think I need to put blackout curtains over the blackout shade because it doesn't extend to the corners of the window, the edges of the window, and it has little pinholes in it. So I think I'm going to double up on that by putting a blackout curtain around it. Yeah, you really want something that goes over the like over the window itself that doesn't fit inside of the window frame because right. if it fits inside of the window frame, there are going to be cracks. If it covers the entire like inside of the like the entire window, you can get um, you can get total blackout. There's a company um, that does I think it's called Easy Blackout, and they sell. Um, this plastic material cut into the shape of your window along with Velcro, and you can attach it to the to the wall around the window, and it's easy to put up and then tear off if you want to, if you want to let light in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's actually designed for this size of window. I I used it in an apartment that had. Really, really wide windows. It was like, you know, I don't know, ten feet wide, and with that, the Velcro wasn't high enough grade to support the weight of all the plastic. Um, but for but for a room like this, it would be absolutely perfect. Easy blackout is that what you said it's called? I believe it's called Easy Blackout. Okay. It was invented by a guy who worked night shifts and would have a hard time sleeping during the day, and he mm-hmm. went. He has a whole story and is very entrepreneurial about his marketing strategy and does YouTube videos and stuff. And he um, talked about his experiences trying to get a good night's sleep during the day so that he could be well rested for the night, for the night shift. And no one had this product. And so he figured out how to do it on his own. And then his friends started asking for copies. it's great, great small business. Well, trying to figure out how to sleep during the day, that's like pretty relevant for living in New York because the streets are really bright at night and really loud. 
and noisy. I think there are some parts of the country where night is much quieter and much darker than it is in New York, and it's probably a lot easier to sleep. Yeah, totally agree. I have experimented with um, noise machines as well. So noise is another factor in, in sleep quality. That's another thing that can cause interruptions. It can cause you to wake up without remembering it the next day or, or can bring you out of REM or out of deep sleep into light sleep. And um, what's interesting about it is that, what I find interesting is that you can actually sleep with fairly loud noise. It's not the noise that's a problem, it's the, um, it's the variance in the noise. Right, and like a sudden noise that suggests maybe a predator is sneaking up on your cave while you're sleeping in it. Exactly. That's um, very disruptive. And so what I would do is um, I, would use a sl- I would use a noise machine at a fairly high volume, but it would be a soothing and relatively re- like predictable sound. So my favorite was a combination of of, uh, of a campfire and ocean waves, mm-hmm. and uh, also there's a there's a noise called brown noise. So there's white noise, which is pretty unpleasant, and um, I'm not actually sure how they convert, like what the relationship is between the noise and the color spectrum. But they have there's like pink noise too. Yeah. And the one that I find the most relaxing is brown noise, which is relatively low in uh, frequency. And it allows you to increase the volume without, um, I guess, it, that, that particular sound doesn't degrade as much with increase in volume. So I'll actually use it, I'll use that, like, Brown noise plus some other ambient noises on the subway when I'm just trying to tune every everybody out, mm-hmm. uh, especially if the subway tracks are really loud. You know when it gets really squeaky, it does a great job of covering up other sounds, which is exactly what you want because when right. that car horn honks, you you want that covered. Right. Another thing that is overlooked in sleep hacking that I think is by far the most effective strategy for sleep hacking is sleep hygiene. Right. And by sleep hygiene... Well, this is the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> this is that hardest. alcohol consumption. <laughs> so sleep hygiene refers to waking up and going to bed at the same time of day every day, which is especially hard if you're, you know... If you have a life yeah. <laughs> with other people in it. <laughs> yeah, other people are terrible for sleep hygiene. Yeah. All the time coming up with things for you to do right. instead of sleeping. Um, but if you can get in the habit at least uh, at least during the week of going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time, it really, really improves the quality of your sleep because your body gets used to those cycles. And so it can time your REM cycles. And what you'll find is that if you have really good sleep hygiene for a significant period of time, you wake up feeling rested. You don't feel groggy because you always you always wake up from light sleep. One of the things that happens when you wake up while you're in REM or you're in deep sleep is that there's this feeling of malaise, of grogginess, of, of blur. And it, it lasts for a surprisingly long time after you wake up. And if you can time it so that you wake up during light sleep, you can, you can skip that. Um, 
it's really it makes a big difference for productivity in the morning. Yeah, this is a feature of a lot of sleep apps. So this past week and a half, I've been trying some sleep gadgets that I thought were interesting. And a lot of them have alarm functions and they claim that you set like a time and then the app will wake you up when you seem to be in light sleep kind of within a 30-minute window either way of that time that you want to get up. So I've got this this ball on the desk that looks like it's covered in rubber bands, that white little ball. That's called Sense. And there's a little sensor on my pillow that connects to Sense. And Sense is one of those things that supposedly wakes me up when it thinks I'm in light, light sleep. But the problem with all these sleep apps is just that they don't seem to be very accurate, which is a fact that's made more prominent when you're using multiple apps at the same time. And they're like, one of them's like, oh, you woke up at 4 a.m. And the other one's like, you you got up at 8 a.m. They're like, I didn't get up at either of those times. So that's kind of a problem. Yeah, I It's found, like the, the alarm will go off and I feel that exact feeling of grogginess. I feel terrible. So I just like shut it down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, there's no substitute for sleep hygiene. But I, I sympathize. I've used a lot of those iPhone apps. And the, the accuracy of the ones that are, the apps where you just put the, the phone in the bed with you mm-hmm. are only slightly better than 50%. It's 55% accurate. Okay. Which is like, <laughs> it's, it's basically guessing. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not. Well, some of these are really elaborate. Like the other one that I'm using, it's got basically a kind of like a seatbelt looking strap that goes under the sheets. Mm. So it's, it's under my whole body, but that was the one that said I woke up at 4 a.m. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that the Zio isn't around anymore because it was by far the most accurate that I've seen. Because it was just actually uh, It was actually up, monitoring up to your, your brain. brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there are like cheapo EEG things that you could probably hack together yourself, but... I don't know, this is kind of the problem with the whole sleep thing is like you can take it so far and we ran a couple stories this week about people stressing themselves out by obsessing too much over (laughs) sleep data. Like one guy wrote that his Fitbit had caused him to lose sleep because he was (laughs) obsessing about how many hours he got the night before and how many hours he was going to get that night. And he said, sometimes I would lie in bed and try to be very still in order to fool the Fitbit (laughs) into thinking that I was asleep. And it's like, at that point... If you're just stressing yourself out, then it's kind of counterproductive. Yeah, so insomnia is a very different animal. Like, you can have the perfect environment, and if your mind is racing before you um, get settled for bed, then it's, it's, it's not really going to help that much. Right. The solution that I've found to that, that I find really helpful, and I'm shocked that more people don't uh, know about, is... The idea of resting instead of sleeping. So, if you try to go to sleep, you're gonna have a very hard time going to sleep. Like nobody tries to go to sleep. Sleep is a thing that comes on its own. Mm-hmm. And like death. Yeah, <laughs> the little sleep they call it. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Um. If you. What was I saying? If you're trying too hard to go to sleep, right? If you're trying too hard to go to sleep, insomnia. it's just occurring to me. It's the little, it's the little death, not the little sleep. The little death. Sleep is the little death. Yeah. Death is the big sleep. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so if you if you try to go to sleep, you're gonna have a very hard time actually getting to sleep. Instead, if you try to rest, both both rest your body and rest your mind, what you find is that if you if you still can't get to sleep, at least you will feel rested because that's what you did. You rested. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ends up happening is when you're sitting there resting and your mind is still in your body, it's still that's when sleep comes. So it's a way of getting yourself to focus less on that stressful feeling of trying to get to sleep and failing and looking at the alarm clock three hours later still awake mm-hmm. and back to the, the feeling of restoration, which is the whole point of going to sleep in the first place. Uh, another thing that is really valuable is um, working with alarm clocks. So we have what is the equivalent of like a bear attack in the morning. Mm-hmm. You have these incredibly loud, aggressive alarms that are designed to make it impossible for you to continue to sleep. And people like them because they're effective at getting you out of bed, but they're terrible for sleep quality. It's it is it is like you were attacked by a bear that morning every morning, mm-hmm. and instead, if you simulate natural mornings, you 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 can pull yourself out of REM or deep sleep more gently, and then by the time that the alarm gets loud enough for you to actually wake up, um, it's less jarring. And so, what I did was I had. Um, Lights on timers, and if you are willing to pay the money for it, you can get ones that will simulate the same parts of the visible spectrum of light that are created during sunrise. Um, but the cheapest one that I saw that did that well was like three hundred dollars. Yeah, um, I bought a, a much smaller one that was built into the Y. I had to install it instead of a light switch so I could get my overhead light to do it, and it would just turn it on, it would click on. Um, but I could set that to happen at a particular time. You know, like 20 minutes before I was supposed to actually wake up. And then I would have a noise alarm that would start off at a very low volume with the sound of birds chirping. And then it would slowly get louder. And then it would introduce the sound of traffic, mm-hmm. like, you know, people, foot traffic, like people on the street, you know, sort of a, a gentle hubbub. And then, you know, occasional cars passing. And then it would get louder and louder and to the point where, like, you very, you very gently wake up. And then it would switch over to music. Hmm. So I think I'm getting close to the right formula for that because I got lights in here. They're Philips Hue lights and the starter kit is 200 bucks, so it's pretty expensive. They are probably my favorite gadget that I've gotten. I can't I can't remember the last like gadgety thing that I got that was so fun. I haven't totally figured out how to get them to work for me for sleep. I have the alarm that goes on and it fades the lights on, but and it kind of makes it easier for once I'm awake to transition from being awake to being actually out of bed, which is kind of a sticking point for me. But it doesn't wake me up. However, I have another gadget that I also really like, which is uh, sleep phones. They're these headphones that are inside of an elastic like uh, sweatband kind of thing and they're Bluetooth so there's no wires it's just little speakers that line up over your ears within this headband like 
which is like anytime you have anything that you wear, like if it's a headband or if it's a sleep mask, like you were mentioning, it's always like slightly uncomfortable, but this is like pretty optimal. It's just like a soft headband. So the speakers line up over my ears and then I use the white noise app, white noise light, not even the paid app. And it white noises through the night and then you can set it to fade out and then play an alarm sound in your ear. So I'm kind of like still tinkering with what the right volume is and which sound is it that I'm going to want to hear first thing in the morning and actually wake up. But I think that that's like, I think I'm going to get to a combination where that's going to be my my good way to wake up. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I didn't know about this this um, headphone band. That sounds really useful. I'm going to have to play with that. But that. Yeah, the company is called Acoustic Sheep. And let me find exactly what they call this product. Yeah, that it's, sounds exactly like the kind of thing um, that you would want. I would say, you know, if you're still playing around with the lighting, the thing that's most important is that it be gradual. Because if you have the lights, it is gradual. On, it fades up over ten minutes. Okay, good. Yeah, because what happens? I think is, you can even set it to fade up longer than that. Okay, so here's the gadget. It's like here, try it on. And they're called sleep phones, Bluetooth wireless headphones. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, uh, yeah. Relax with music, drown out noises, fall asleep faster, wake up refreshed. It's like this um, uh, soft black band. It feels like dark blue. some kind of uh, polyester. They have different colors and, uh, and different materials. Yeah, it's almost like the same weight as a sock. The one problem with it is you have to charge it every day. The yeah. Bluetooth thing does not hold a charge at all. Yeah, Bluetooth is power hungry. Okay, um, so you're using it to cover your eyes, which is not what it's for. Those are your ears, and that's also the back. And okay. You have it in the front. Yeah, not intuitive to put on, I have to say. <laughs> so hard. And then it's kind of adjustable, so you just kind of like scooch the speakers inside the sweatband until they cover your ears. I see. Yeah, it does feel like a sock because it's hollow. All right. That fits so the adjust the adjustment bit. Is, is kind of tricky. Here. Well, you only have one hand because you're holding a microphone. Yeah, that's true. I can't really... F- are your ears like right next... Are your ears right next to each other? <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of move it around. It probably shifted. Like, here's one speaker, and the other speaker is here. So. Okay, so you got to scooch that over a little yeah. bit. There you go. You got it. Yeah. So well, it's very comfortable, I have to say. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell how effective it is because it's not on, but... Um, yeah, we'll it's just- way less dorky looking than the, um, the Zio, for sure. Well, it doesn't do any monitoring. It doesn't monitor your sleep, which I'm kind of glad for. Rest anyway. on sleep phones. Yeah, so I, I'm not, uh, I'm in the- general pretty skeptical about gadgets, but I, I do think that I will continue to use this one 
after the experimental week. Sleep phones. Yeah. One last thing about light um, and and sound also as alarms. Um, what about smell? We haven't really talked about smell. <laughs> smell would be super effective. Well, there was a smell device alarm clock at CES this year. It was called the Sensor Wake, and I requ- I emailed them to ask them if I could please please try it out because they <laughs> claim they would wake you up with the smell of baking croissants in the morning. <laughs> But That's such a tease, though, because then you wake up and there, and there are no, no croissants. croissants. Yeah, I know. What would be better would be a little toaster oven that would actually start baking croissants first thing in the morning. <laughs> well, they have those bread makers. Dad used to have a bread maker that would wake him up with the smell of bread. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. I borrowed have it to from look, him. Look into that for for part two of this practical sleep sleep hacking guide. Well, the problem is you start eating a ton of bread. Mm, that is a problem. Anyway, the sensor wake was not ready for prime time, so they couldn't send me a prototype unit. But uh, yeah, so that exists. Anyway, so back to light and sound, though. Yeah, so um, what I found is that people have this instinct of immediately, like the thing wakes you up and you want to stop it because it's unpleasant. And so you you go for the, the... the snooze button, or you go for the light switch, or you go for the whatever right. to turn it off. And the answer to that problem is to make it gradual. Yeah. It's like, it's really just like a fire alarm where it's like so obnoxious, at least the fire alarm in this apartment where it's just like so obnoxious. <laughs> all you, all you want to do is turn it off and not deal with it anymore. And then it just becomes. I would rather die in the fire yes. than listen to this sound. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so just like, let's do some rapid fire like tricks that we use to try to fall asleep. Like, I got really into tryptophan for a while, which is oh yeah a supplement that, and this could be one hundred percent placebo effect. But in my experience, popping a couple tryptophan before bed chills me out and helps me with that racing thoughts problem because my problem is insomnia and trouble falling asleep. Yeah, and and don't knock the don't knock the uh, placebo effect. It's super super right, useful. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> Take so some fine. Sugar it pills. is placebo. <laughs> I also have done no research into whether it's bad to take large amounts of tryptophan. Although I would take two or three a night, sometimes just one. And the tryptophan bottle wants you to take three tryptophan three times a day. <laughs> of course it does. So I feel like I'm okay. I'm not going to OD on tryptophan. And you know, if it's if it's like working, it's probably it's probably fine. Have you tried any other sleep uh, sleep drugs? Yeah, all the other sleep drugs I've tried, with the exception of marijuana, have been too strong. Ambien is way too strong. I feel like shit in the morning. Melatonin is too too strong. Over the counter stuff is just makes you feel really bad. They have some over the counter sleep meds. And I don't know what the active ingredient is, but it's like it's basically like the opposite of caffeine pills, and also makes you feel shitty. Like caffeine pills, caffeine pills make you feel shitty. Have you tried Sonata? Isn't Sonata just like Ambien? Well, it's got half the duration. Ambien is eight hours. Sonata is four. I have not tried Sonata. I'm kind of suspicious of all those sleeping pills, but I don't know anything about Sonata, so I won't knock it. But I did read an article. About Ambien. <laughs> the New Yorker had a long story about Ambien, and it's, it's not the first story that's been written about Ambien, but basically, there's like 
not inconsequential evidence that you sleep really poorly on Ambien and you just don't remember. Yeah. And so you think that you slept well because you basically blacked out and don't remember, but you actually slept really badly. Um, but That has the ring of truth. Beyond all of that and whatever research is out there and whatever complaints have been made about the drug, it just made me personally feel bad in my body. So I am pretty much not looking at prescription sleeping pills as a solution. Yeah, I find that all of the pills... You know, regardless of their level of efficacy, result in dependence. And right, that's also a problem. Yeah, you really, really want addictive. sleep to be a thing that you can do regularly. On your own, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, like you're dependent in that then you need them to fall asleep at all, and then also you can become dependent in that you're addicted to them because they're physically addictive. Yeah. So, yeah, the tryptophan, though, is, like, it's very mild. As far as I can tell, I did not develop a dependency on it, and I just kind of have it in a drawer, and then some nights when I feel like I might be anxious, I just take some tryptophan. There's, there's, another, thing that is, there's another thing that is almost as effective as sleep hygiene, but also a huge pain in the ass to do. What is that? Exercise. Oh, right. Exercise, exercise makes a huge difference. If you have a really solid workout in that day, even it's in the, even if it's in the morning, even if it's not. Well, I think it's near better if it is in the morning. Yeah, yeah. In my experience, that's that's been true. It's better. It's more effective in the morning. Yeah, it's been a long time since I had a really solid, good sleep hygiene routine. I think it was two years, two over two and a half years ago before I started dating my current boyfriend which is part of the paradox of sleep hygiene where other people just ruin it for you. <laughs> but I was going to the gym in the morning, getting up at 6.45 every day, going to the gym and then going to work, and then pretty much just ended up going to bed at the same time because I'd get tired. Yeah. Really. Oh, well. Yeah, significant others are, are the bane of, of sleep hygiene. Yeah. They, they interfere with everything. You can't like... So that another thing that makes me intrigued about this uh, these sleep phones here is that that was a problem for me was you know waking the other person up with your sleep hacking. Mm-hmm. God, um, stop sleep hacking! <laughs> Especially if they have a different wake up time than you do. It's right. kind of unfair. Yeah. Well, I imagine that in the future you'll just sleep kind of like in two perfectly engineered sleep pods. <laughs> like you'll be right next to. Your partners and yours will be like 68 degrees and like, you know, 1% golden light. And theirs will be like 75 degrees and like, you know, maybe they're floating in water or whatever. And then you just have your hands sticking out so you can hold hands. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Anyway, but in the meantime, we just sleep in the same bed as the other. I read a study a really long time ago about how people think they sleep better when they sleep with their partners, but you always sleep worse. Oh, yeah, totally. This is, oh man, I've had, uh, I feel bad. It's unromantic though, yeah. it's kind of a bummer. They, yeah, people want a spoon, it's like, I mean, yeah, that's that's great for like 20 minutes, and then I'm trying to go to bed, you're going to move, and when you move, I'm going to wake up. Right. But And then I'm going to move and then feel guilty about the fact that you're waking up, and then I'm going to try and stay perfectly still, and then I'm going to cramp up, and yeah. it's going to be miserable. I think once you are with one person long enough and you kind of, and you get to the point where you're comfortable enough where you're not worried about moving and disturbing them all the time, 
then for me, it's worth whatever cost there is in sleep efficiency. Because the going to sleep part and the waking up part are both, you know, it's intimate. Yeah, waking up with another person, I find um, really pleasant. That's yeah, the thing. if you're talking about pleasant ways to be woken up. Yeah. Um, Sam has leaves before me, and his latest thing is to put the dog in the bed. Oh. He'll he'll go out the door and pick up the dog, and we've put the dog in the bed, and then the dog comes and snuggles up with me and spazzes out in the bed a little bit. She's always <laughs> really excited in the morning. And that's a nice way to wake up, although it's not super gradual. <laughs> yeah, that's cute, though. All right, so I mentioned the tryptophan. The other thing I do is the New York Times crossword puzzle. And I do it on the iPad, which you would think would be bad because it's blue light, which is supposed to be bad for your body's cues that it's time to fall asleep because it's the same kind of spectrum as daylight. Yeah. But... I think I've just been doing it before bed for so long that my brain has started to associate it with sleep. So I will be doing the New York Times crossword puzzle, and most times I will just become too tired to continue to concentrate on the New York Times crossword puzzle. And it also has the effect of distracting my mind from obsessing over whatever like work email thing would otherwise keep me awake. You know what you should do? Um, both because it would be effective uh, at reducing that and then also effective at annoying Sam. What? You should get Flux. Flux, yes. <laughs> Sam hates Flux. And we have an article about Flux this week, and I was like, I got to install Flux. I don't know if I'll put it on the iPad. It's extremely effective. I can, fe- I can feel myself getting tired as the computer starts fluxing. Interesting. I have it set to a pretty aggressive setting, so really? that may be part of it. But it, it eliminates all of the. I mean, it, it just turns your computer just, into like a rose, a rose. Yeah, it, it's it's very clearly distorted. You don't notice it because it's gradual. But when other people walk up and see your computer, they they always say, "Oh my God, what is wrong with your machine?" It's so pink. Yeah, yeah, it's like a sort of a tan beige kind of. I think flex like it can't hurt. It's definitely worth a shot. I think that you'll find an, an, a very noticeable difference. Okay, so you are sleeping in your office right now. Oh, this is by far the best sleep hack. This so, is the best. Stay in your office. All right, it's not the best sleep hack. Sleep hygiene is the best sleep hack. Exercising is number two. But number three is <laughs> get more actual hours of sleep. Hmm. And interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you've managed to do this by eliminating your commute time. Exactly. So, like, for the listener, if you imagine the time that you spend commuting is spent sleeping, and then add all that up for the day. Yeah, it's for, significant. Yeah, it's like I, an hour. I have a really quick commute, and this would still be an extra forty minutes of sleep for me. Yeah, it's huge. So. But don't, doesn't sleeping in your office come with some other drawbacks to getting good sleep? Um, eh. Like the possibility of someone walking into the office at any hour is like that's kind of like the bear attack equivalent of the modern well, so, city. You know, I actually find that really useful because it's a it's an incentive to wake up on time. So I know the first person to come into the office gets in at eight. So I have to be like up and ready to go. By you know seven forty five. Do they know you're doing this, or do they just think that you get there at seven thirty every morning? Oh, I've told everybody in the office. Okay, 
I mean, I think they probably don't realize that it's as it is, yeah, it literally every night. But um, this is like this is like startup mentality. I feel like most people would be like, yeah, killing it, crushing it. Yeah. So uh, my office is kind of strange. So I mean, this brings up my my employment. I'm a I'm a CTO and a and a founder at a startup that happens to be in the nonprofit space and in the nonprofit world is very different and the, the standards are and the and the cultural norms are are different around work life balance. Mm. So nobody else you know, I mean you go in on like I went in on Martin Luther King Day and it was there were, you know, maybe three people in the office. Whereas if you were at uh, we're we're in an incubator program where all of the other participants are either nonprofits or social entrepreneurships um, with some kind of social mission, double bottom line thing. And if I were at Y Combinator, I think I would be, you know, everybody would be Celebrate. a non. I mean, like Martin Luther King Day, like I mean, it's a a wonderful thing to celebrate, and you know, right. Martin Luther King had an amazing vision for America, but that's not one of the like that's not that's not like oh I'm gonna go home it's and have Thanksgiving dinner days. with my family. Yeah. It's not like that's not like Christmas. Like I work on I worked on Christmas and I think that if you were at a place like Y Combinator it'd be like, Yeah, of course you worked on Christmas. Right. But you that's and not of the course you work in the office or you sleep in the office. Right, exactly. Or they would be really into that and like all of a sudden everybody else would be sleeping in the office. Because well, they didn't want to seem like slackers compared to you. Yeah, and also... By the way, Y Combinator rejected you. That's they true. They screwed up. <laughs> Listen to this. This guy sleeps in his office. Yeah, they got it wrong. Listen to that Paul Graham. Um, yeah, well, you know, we made it to the final round at Y Combinator, and um, I think the, the nonprofit is just, they're not really... Totally ready for that yet? I mean, they've done a couple. Watsi has been a, a major inspiration um, for for our organization, for Heatseek. What's for that? Our nonprofit. Watsi is a nonprofit that really took the tech startup model and applied it really effectively to their space. And they do crowdfunding for medical care for people in developing countries. I'm already depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they 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 took the tech startup model, particularly around fundraising, and then delivered perfectly for the nonprofit space. One of the problems with nonprofit is that people are always fundraising. It's like twenty four seven, three sixty five. We're we're asking for donations, and if you go to the for profit space, it's the opposite. You're either in fundraising mode or you're not. Right. And so they go out and they raise $2 million all at once and then they stop and they focus on the actual business. And that's the thing that I don't see in the nonprofit world, but but Watsi nailed it. Mhm. So anyway, the the problem with sleeping in the office, you know, while it's extremely effective Rats, for cockroaches. <laughs> no, our office is nice. Um the problem, while it's extremely effective for getting more work hours, because you know I, I get an extra hour and a half of work time every day because I sleep in the office. The problem is that um, it's wait. It's, you it's just not told a, me you're using that extra time to sleep. Which is it? 
the time that you would be spending commuting? I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Both. I mean, I would be either working or sleeping. I imagine it probably adds up to more than just the sheer numbers of minutes that you're on your commute. Like, there's a little bit of time around the commute where you're, like, getting ready for the commute. Yeah. Or taking off your coat from the commute. Yeah. And that adds up, too. Totally. Um, Anyway, so you you gain some extra time for work and some extra time for sleep. Yeah. And also, that exact breakdown is unknown. Yeah. And you, you end up spending more time in the office because that's where you're going to be before you go to sleep. And... That extra time in the office, you know, because you're in the office, often gets spent working. You know, mm, if so I had gone go home, home, yeah. Well, not that I go to sleep later, but that I just spend more time working. Like if I had gone home, then I would have spent that time, I don't know, chillaxing. Chillaxing, exactly. Okay, so this gives me another question, which is, a lot of sleep triggers seem to be associative. Like, does does do you have to? go into a different part of the office in order to indicate that this is the sleep area and not the work area? Like, there's a lot of sleep hygiene stuff about how you should do nothing in your room except for sleep. So um, I find that you should you should do nothing uh, in your bed except for sleep and the other notable bedroom activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as you do that, you can use your bedroom for other things. But when you're actually physically in your bed, you can't be working, you can't be reading, you can't be doing anything else. Okay, so there's a siren right now. They can, you can probably hear this on the mic. This is an example of the kind of sleep environment that I have to deal with, just as an aside. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So um, I have an inflatable mattress, uh, and when the mattress is deflated and packed up in a way, then it feels like an office. And then when I inflate the mattress and I get into the bed, you know, I'm, you know, I... You inflate the mattress every night and deflate it every morning? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, well, so lately I've been Pain sleeping... Pain in the butt. Yeah. Do so you have sheets? I do have sheets. Do they wrap around the mattress or do they just kind of sit on top of the mattress? Um, they, there's a fitted sheet and a... So you have to blow sheet. up your mattress and... Put your sheets on it every day. Well, it's got a motor, so you know. I uh, I'll plug it in. I'll turn the motor on, and then I'll go brush my teeth. And by the time I'm done brushing my teeth, the mattress is inflated. Okay. So it's not that bad. And lately, because it's gotten cold, I've been sleeping in one of the conference rooms that doesn't have any windows facing the outside. And so because of that, it's generally warmer, and there's a couch in it. And darker, probably. Yeah, slightly darker. As well. So you just sleep on the couch? Yeah, lately. I think maybe like a like a week or two ago I started, maybe three weeks ago, max, mm-hmm. I started doing that. It's been such a mild winter that I could get away without it for a long time. And then we, we also have space heaters. Yeah. Now it's 18 degrees, though. Yeah. Yeah, it got cold. Had our first snow. So sleeping in the conference room, sleeping in the office... You can't put blackout curtains on the windows. You can't install lights, light alarms That's in your true. office. So what, how are you dealing with all that? So You're unable to control certain parts of the environment? Yeah, so I still use, I, I use an eye mask and I sleep with a pillow over my head, which is actually even more effective than an eye mask for, for 
um, blocking out light. I, I call it the head sandwich. I have a, a pillow underneath and a pillow on top of my mm-hmm. head. Um, everybody always asks if that makes it hard to breathe. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so that blocks out um, light. And then I use an iPhone app for um, sleep Wait, monitoring and for, and for waking me up. You mentioned how they have different settings and generally it's about a half hour. It gives you a half hour window for the alarm to go off and it, it tries to time it along with what it's expecting to be light sleep, meaning in their meaning they detected movement. Mm-hmm. Which apps are you using? Um, well, I, I'll, I have my phone here. I can pull it out. I don't remember the name of it offhand. Is this one of the ones that you say is only 50% accurate? 55%, yeah, it's only 55% accurate. That's definitely, definitely the case. Um, this one is and called t- Sleep Time, and this is the paid version. And now they're trying to get me to pay for an even more expensive paid version. Double paid. Which is annoying. So, do you use that app for white noise as well? No, I have a se- it does do white noise, but I have a separate white noise app that's a little more feature rich. Um, I think it might be the paid version of the one that you're using, white noise. White yeah. noise, okay. Yeah, the light one is fine. It even lets you record your own white noise. So this is this is the sound that I sleep to. So you, you can hear in that it's sound campfire of, and rain. There's and there's ocean waves, there's a campfire, and there's brown noise. So okay. and it's you can hear it's pretty loud. Yeah. Uh, that that drowns out this you know the sirens and the street traffic and everything else. Mm-hmm. Did that make you sleepy listening to that just now? If I so sometimes I will use it um, to drown out um, the Sounds of the subway, you know, if I want to relax uh, on on the train. And I do find that, you know, if I'm lazy and I pick that one because it's the first one on the list instead of going to a different one, um, it does it does make me a little sleepy. That's funny. Associations are powerful. Right. Cool. Well, I feel like we covered a lot of sleep hacking. I was thinking about calling this podcast The Practical Guide to sleep hacking because of what I mentioned about some sleep hacking things just being unattainable or starting to get to the point where they're not really worth the trade-off. But uh, hopefully this discussion has been helpful to some people who want to get better sleep, which I feel like is almost everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Most people feel like they at least want more sleep. More sleep and better sleep. Yeah, I think there's the there's this illusion of like the morning person, like mm-hmm. somebody who just gets up super early, really naturally, and has tons of energy. And I don't think those people, I don't think those people really exist. There, there are people who go to bed really early, mm-hmm. and then by this, by the same principle, also wake up early. But I don't think there are really people who. Get like five hours of sleep and are actually fine. Yeah, I could be well, wrong about that. Well, it does seem like there are some people like that, but they are few and far between, and it doesn't make sense to aspire to be one of them if you aren't genetically like that. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully this has been interesting or useful or amusing for the listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
William, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you want to plug your company that people can donate to? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, HeatSeek is a nonprofit that believes that everyone is entitled to access to warmth inside of their own apartments. And it's really appalling, but many New Yorkers who you may see on the train on your commute if you don't sleep at the office... Mm-hmm. Uh, suffer from this problem, especially in lower income areas, rapidly gentrifying areas where there's incentive for landlords to get tenants out because they're you know, rent stabilized and paying less and they can turn those apartments around, do some low cost renovations and mark them up dramatically. So scammy landlords will not turn the heat on in order to torture their tenants into moving out. Right. And it's super illegal and incredibly dangerous, but very difficult to catch. So what we do is we build web-connected temperature sensors and uh, software to monitor them. And our sensors take readings every hour all winter long. And then we give that information to advocacy groups, to city agencies, and to people who can bring about change, people who can fight for the rights of these tenants and get their heat restored. So you can find us on the web at heatseeknyc.com. That's S-E-E-K-N-Y-C dot com. And uh, you can find the donate link in the upper right-hand corner of the site. We'd love your support. Awesome. Thank you so much, William. This podcast has been brought to you by HeatSeek. Thank you for listening to Radio Motherboard. We'll see you next week. That's our show. Please share your sleep hacks at editor at motherboard.tv or just find me on Twitter. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.